You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. Well, on behalf of the Bright City owners and Bright City Church, if this is your first time, I want to just say welcome. Uh, My name's Nick, and I'm one of the pastors here at Bright City Church, and it's such an honor to have you here. And this morning actually begins a new journey for us as a church, not just as a church with multiple services, but us as a church walking through and processing what does it look like to walk with, deal with, and fight against fear. So what does it look like to walk with, deal with, and fight against fear? We're actually starting a new sermon series called Speak to the Storm. Um, And so one of the things that I know about living in Charleston is there are many incredible things about living here. We have incredible beaches. We have incredible restaurants. None of this, y'all good? This is where you speak back, like amen, like hallelujah, praise God. Like some of you left the bondage of the Midwest and made the long track here. And so I just felt like at this moment in the sermon series and in this sermon that you would have been like, hey, this is the good news of Jesus is that I once was in Ohio and now I am not. Like I once was here and now I am not. And so we have incredible things here in Charleston. But one thing about living in Charleston is that sometimes we get storms. How many of you have yet to experience hurricane season in Charleston yet? I see a few shy hands. It's like, "Ah, yes, I will follow Jesus, but I'm not sure. Um, But sometimes during the hurricane season, you do end up having to leave. And it's this delicate balance of knowing when you're okay to stay and when you're okay to leave. But living in Charleston, you know, we do have to worry about the storms. And for me, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with them. On one hand, I love watching the Weather Channel. Like I love seeing the Weather Channel here and like I'll see like King Street on TV and this guy's like leaning into the wind and then I walk outside and everything's fine. Like I love that moment. Like I love watching to see where the storm goes. But then the hate part of it is, man, this last one, it it tore the roof back on our house. Like it just peeled our house roof open like it was a can of chocolate milk or something. Like it just, our house was no match for the storm. But one of the things about storms that is really hard is that storms remind you just how much control you don't have, right? Like you you are in the midst of a storm and you have zero control. Uh, Recently, I took a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, and they just had one of their crazy fronts that blew in where it it was warm, and then the cold front was behind it. And so in that moment, they had these tornado watches and tornado warnings. And so we're, we're at this place and they're like, hey, so we're gonna have to get in the basement. To them, it was like just a normal day here in Nashville, Tennessee is like, we listen to Dolly Parton and we get in basements. That's just what we do here. But for me, I was freaking out. Like hurricanes, I can watch them. I can see them coming. With tornadoes, I'm like looking up at the sky. Is like, is it dropping on me now? Is now the time? Like, just tell me. So we're in the basement, 
and were hiding from this storm that ended up being about 20 miles away from where I was staying. And so in these moments, in these storms, you're just reminded that you are at the mercy of the elements. Like there's just no way once things start, like you're just at the mercy. Uh, we live downtown and anytime we get a rain and a high tide, I'm like, is it a kayak day or is it a car day? I don't know. Let's see what God does. Let's see how he moves in this day. Am I going to be driving a kayak or driving a car? I have no idea. And one of the things I've noticed about storms in nature is that they typically tend to remind me about storms in life. Like they, they just tend to remind me about storms in life. And what I mean by that is sometimes I am going through life and a storm comes out of nowhere and I have little to no warning. And sometimes I'm like, God, I, I really wish you would have told me to get in the basement on this one. Or I wish you would have told me to go to another city on this one because I did not see this storm coming. Like I, I just I wish there had been a little bit of warning. Like, God, we had the moment and the quiet time and the Bible reading plan. And, and you know, we, we had that moment where I did go to church and I knew mom was going to ask me if I went to church and I went to church. And so I was there. Like, I really wish you would have spoke to me in that moment and told me that a storm was coming, but, but you didn't. So sometimes these storms in our lives have little to no warning. The other thing is they remind us just how little control we have in our life. Like they just, when the storms in life come, when things happen in life, it just is an overwhelming reminder to me that I am, I'm not in control of this thing. As much as I would like to be in control, I am not in control. About 65 days ago, and here's the thing about storms, is when you have a storm in your life, it is marking, like you know. Like when I was a kid growing up in Charlotte, like Hurricane Hugo came through and I'm like, oh, September 1989. And some of you were like, oh, well, that was the good old days. I wasn't even born then. But I remember that was my first hurricane. So when storms come, like you remember exactly when they, when they happen. And so 65 days ago, I had a storm happen in my own life. I had just been feeling off. I was just feeling like things weren't okay. And Jess actually was out of town and she came back into town. And one day we were just hanging out and I was like, how's your trip? How are things? And I just was like, hey, I, I just, I don't feel great. Like I don't, I just, something is off and, and I'm noticing it. And I just feel like I should tell someone. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really know what's happening. I don't really know why it's happening. And, and you know, even for me to voice that, like I just, sometimes I don't like saying something unless I've got my mind wrapped around it. I'm like, I, I want to know this. I want to understand it. I want to be able to talk about the deep, deep things of it and be like, but it's going to be like men, like it's going to be okay. It's probably nothing. Everything's fine. It's always fine. I don't need to ask for directions. I don't need any help. Like everything's fine in, in this moment. And so even though I felt off, I just uh, turned my attention to the weekend. We had an incredible weekend coming up. Uh, one of the things that they do at my kids' school is they have a Thanksgiving feast on a Friday, and I, 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 I don't know how many we've gone to. It feels like it's been like 10 of them. And so we went to this Thanksgiving feast at my kids' school, and even there, I just, I just felt like something was wrong, something wasn't great. And so we power through the Thanksgiving feast um, and watch my kid eat stuffing that was made for I don't know where, and I don't know what was in the stuffing, but it was, it was an incredible moment. Um, and then at lunchtime, after that lunch of watching my kid eat, we were going to meet 
our high school youth leaders. Like these are some of our dearest friends. And like three months ago, they told me that they were coming into town. And they're like, hey, we're coming into town. I like marked my calendar. We just hadn't seen them in forever. They lead a church in Miami and, and they're doing incredible things down there. And I was like, I cannot wait to hang out with these people. And so we go to lunch and even at lunch, I just was like, man, I just don't feel great, but that's okay. You know, I've got Seen Moms tonight. Seen Moms is an incredible ministry uh, for single moms that happens in our city. And I was speaking at Seen Moms and I was just like, man, this is gonna be so great. I can't wait to speak at Seen Moms. But then I just also had this thing in me that I just was like, man, something is wrong. Something is off. So I go to see moms, I speak at see moms. It was incredible. It was God moved. It was just an incredible night. And then after seeing moms, we were going to go to my favorite restaurant. And one of my favorite restaurants is Stella. Stella's anybody? I have a Stella sweatshirt now. And so my running joke is, do I like the restaurant or am I in a relationship with some gal named Stella? Like you don't know. Like, I, like are, am I Stella's property or do I like eating there? It's just some, keeps people on their toes. And so anyway, I love wearing my Stella sweatshirt. So we go to dinner and we have incredible conversation. We're catching up. We're just talking about life and all the things. And then we get home and I sit down on the couch and I'm just like, man, something is just off. Like something just feels off. And so I, we do what everyone does when they have something in their life. Uh, is you text a medical friend. Does anybody have those friends in your life? You're like, hey man, so this rash, can I send you a picture of it? Like it is gnarly and it's spreading and it, it went, now it's up my lower back and so the, now they know where it started because it's, if it's up your lower back, like moving north, like it came from the south. And so this time it wasn't a rash though, but I'm like, hey, you know, this is what I'm feeling, this is what's happening. Um, this is what's going on. And in the midst of texting that person, I opened up the Apple Watch and the O2 levels were low and the heart rate went from 60 to 160. Like I'm telling you, I can't do that if I run five miles. Like there's just no possible way for me to get my heart rate that, up, that high up. And so we went from texting the medical friends to calling 911. And so we call 911, the wonderful firemen show up and they check all the blood pressure and all the heart rate and they were like, hey, I just wanna let you know that you've graduated to a trip to MUSC ER and so we just are excited about that opportunity for you. So they get me in the back of an ambulance and one of the things you need to know about going to the emergency room is if you want to bypass the awkward lobby wait, I'm gonna give you a little secret. If you go in an ambulance, they'll get you right through. Like they'll take you right back. It's like the, the, the hidden secret of the ER. It's like you either go and sit and you wait or they just they take the velvet rope off right for you and you go straight back. And so I went straight back and we ended up having about seven hours worth of tests. So from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. we were there and they were like, hey, everything looks great. But one thing we'd love for you to do is we'd love for you to follow up with a cardiologist. And so go home Friday night and the weekend was coming and it was the Bright Future Fund and you know, all of our incredible owners at Bright City rallied and they did that weekend and we kicked off the Bright Future Fund. And then into that next week, I started to feel like a little bit normal, a little bit like myself, but something still felt off. And then I just remember like, okay, all right, we'll get to Thanksgiving. Everything will be fine. It's, you know, things are slowing down. So let's start heading towards Thanksgiving. And so we do Thanksgiving and I feel like things are a little bit off. And then that next day, I just, Jess and I were like, hey, let's go for a walk. And for me, that meant like, okay, I need to get things back to normal. Like I need to just 
figure out what normal is and get back there as quick as possible. So we go on this walk, and as we get towards the end of the walk, we're on King Street, and all of a sudden it happens again. And I'm like, man, what is going on? So we, we get my son, he, this is how bad it was, is I have just this thing in my life right now where I believe God has asked me not to drive with my teenage drivers. I just feel like I, it's just a, my lot to bear, and I just feel like I'm not able to get into the car with them yet. But it was so bad that I had my son, we had our, my son come pick us up. And so he comes pick us up, we go home, and I had had a cardiologist appointment, and they said, hey, if it lasts longer than an hour, which is like the rash, like if the rash lasts longer than an hour, you're in trouble. So if it lasts longer than an hour, like seek help. And so it lasted more than an hour. And so again, just to tell you I'm not kidding in this, if you go in an ambulance, they will get you right back, I promise. It's two, I'm two for two, I promise. If you, if you do that, they will get you back. So we go again in the ambulance, go through the motions, do the thing, and this time, whatever was happening to me lasted like five hours. Like my heart rate kept going up and down. I had the squeezing in the left arm, and you know, they tell guys like, hey, if you're, like don't play with your arm squeeze. Like if it's, like you chest squeeze, you gotta do, so that happened for five hours. And then eventually it would calm down, and we got home, and I hadn't eaten, I had, I had been, they pumped me full of IVs, and I just remember sitting at the kitchen table trying to figure out how to eat oatmeal, which to some of you are like, well, of course you're trying to figure out how to eat oatmeal, that's disgusting. But to me, I love oatmeal. It's one of the hidden treasures in my life. I got a fist pump in the back. Like I just, I love oatmeal. It's like one of my favorite things. And so I'm trying to eat one of my favorite things and it's just not working. And then all of a sudden it happens again. And I'm like, well, I, I can't go back to the ER. I mean, first of all, just financially speaking, like I, can, I cannot go back there. And then also, I just, I can't go back. And that's when it hit me, is that this was less about some heart problem. This was less about anything. This was a panic attack. And I was having uncontrollable panic attacks. Never had one in my life. And all of a sudden, the storm was hitting my life. And I'd like to tell you that that's when it turned around, but that began 10 days of the darkest days that I've ever had. So for 10 days, I couldn't eat. I, I literally lost probably, I don't know how many pounds. Like I just, I couldn't eat anything. Another thing that happened is I, I just couldn't sleep. And what would happen is, is I would go through the night and I wasn't able to sleep. And then when the morning came, I would sneak in like one to two hours of sleep, but it was almost like my body just wouldn't let me rest. Like my body was attacking me. And I was like, I don't know how to get this thing to stop. But one of the things that happened in the middle of the night is that I ended up having these incredible, incredible spiritual attacks. Like I just remember being in the middle of the night, in the darkness of the night, and I have this like one blanket it, it's, it's not a blankie, but it is, it is my blanket, so don't touch my blanket. And I remember I had this blanket around me, and I just remember pacing, and I would walk back and forth, and I'm, I'm literally reciting all the scripture that I know, and I'm like huddled up, and one of the things that happens when you have panic attacks, at least for me, is that you have feelings of extreme hot and extreme cold. And so you're hot, 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 and then you're like, okay, who 
turned on the 20 degree weather like today. Like it just, it's out of nowhere. And so I'm huddled up, I'm trying to figure out how to get warm. And what was really incredible about this moment is it turns out I know way more scripture than I, I knew that I knew. Like I'm pulling out everything. I'm like, oh man, I remember that in Sunday school. And so I'm reciting this and I'm reciting that. And then I would have these moments where I'm doing these like six hour journal sessions with my iPad. And so I'm writing down and I'm journaling and I'm trying to just fight back. And I'm, tr I'm, I'm just trying to do anything that I could to figure out how to get through the dark nights. Like I was flooded with feelings and thoughts I had never had before. Like it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And so in those nights, the storm came. Like the, the storm had come. It, was, it blew in and it was not going anywhere. And I just remember I felt so out of control in my body and in my soul. And then what ended up happening is I just was overwhelmed with fear. And so I'm looking back over the last few, few weeks and I realized that like, I was too scared to leave the house. Like I was too scared to be alone. Like I, I'm, I'm this guy, I'm like, sign me up for the ends of the earth. Like I'm ready to go. And I was like, I can't even go to the end of the driveway. And then I ended up just being like, unable to sit alone at the house or with the kids. One night it got so bad, Jess was away on her, uh, she has a company that she runs, it's an incredible company and they're doing their retreat. And she's like, can we keep doing this? Can we keep doing this? And I was like, no, we've got, we've got to figure out how to get through this. Like this, this is not the finality of my life. Like we've got, we've got to figure out how to move ahead. And so she goes and the second night comes. And I, I honestly, what happened is, is I tried to do too much. Anybody ever been there? You're like, oh, nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. And so I decided that I was going to bake my favorite Portuguese like pastry. Like that was gonna be what happened in my life is that I was gonna bake a Portuguese pastry and that I was gonna bake all of my problems away. Um, some people eat them, I, I, I was trying to bake it at that point. I was like, I can't eat them, I feel nauseous, but I'm trying to bake my problems away. And I ended up working myself into another panic attack and I called her and I was like, you gotta come home. And I was like, I'm so, so sorry. And not, it was so bad that I was like, hey, you, you can't get off the phone. Like, and so she literally from where she was staying to the whole drive home, like we stayed on the phone and she talked to me. And so when I, when I say storm, and when I say fear, when I, when I say I, I just to the point of panic, like I, I was there and I, I, like I had never experienced anything like this before. Like the fear was so strong that it was the only song that I could ever hear. I say this sometimes, and I've actually said it speaking at other places, and people are like, I like this band. But like Hanson, remember Hanson? Mbop. Yes. It's not my jam. Like it's, it's, not, it's not my jam. And, and I, every time I hear it, I'm like, ah, this is really annoying me right now. And what, what had happened, it was like fear was the soundtrack of my soul, and I couldn't turn it off couldn't turn it off and the storm had settled into my heart and soul and so even though this was quite extreme and even though this was just one of those moments that was very 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 hard I think if we're all honest I think we could say at some point that we've experienced moments of fear in, in our lives right like have you ever been there 
Or you're like, man, I just, I've got a little bit of fear. I don't know what's going on. And, and some of you are like, some fear. Like, I've got all the fear all the time. Like, that's how I live. I didn't know there was another way apart from fear. Like, I, nobody had really told me that. Like, I just operate out of fear. And so for me, what it ended up happening, and just to be real specific, is I just had a lot of worry, anxiety, and stress that was present in my heart. And what it felt like is uh, there's two types of people in this world, those who close the apps in their phone and those who don't. I don't, they're just there. My kids get my phone, they're like, you don't even close your apps. What are you, like a Neanderthal? And you know, they, they like close my apps for me and I'm like, I, I, that's, it's a phone. The apps are supposed, that's what it does. It runs the apps. And so what I had noticed in the midst of this is that worry, anxiety, and stress were always there. They were the apps in the background of my operating system and I, ne I couldn't figure out how to close them. Like, have you ever felt that where you're just like, man, these, I, I can't close these apps. Like they're just there. And sometimes they're a symptom of fear. Like sometimes you feel fearful, therefore you have worry, stress, and anxiety. But I think what was happening for me is they were producing a deep fear in my life. I didn't even know it. Like I had been living that way my whole life. And all of a sudden it got so bad that I, I just, I, I couldn't control it anymore. Another thing that there was sleeplessness or lack of physical rest. I, there's one thing you need to know about me is I love watching a movie. I love watching shows. Sometimes there's the occasional binge of a show. Like I've got, I've got no problem working, but I've also got no problem sitting down and watching like a marathon of movies. Like that's my spiritual gift. That's my lot in life and God's given me that. And I could not sit down. Like I could not rest. And so some, sometimes I hear people say like, I just don't like to be still. still. And I'm like, well, is it that or is it because you can't? Like is the fear so crazy in your life that you're afraid to sit still? And sometimes that fear is like, I I've got to be moving, I've got to be producing, I've got to be doing. And sometimes you're just like, I, I can't sit with my thoughts, I can't sit with my worries, I can't, I can't sleep, I can't feel. Like I grew up in a house where my mom did not sleep. It'd be 3 a.m. and I'd hear the vacuum going and, I'm, and then the door would open and she would vacuum my room and I'm like, what, what is happening right now in this moment? And some of you, you, you're thinking like, I don't have any fear. I don't struggle with any of this. And one thing I've noticed is that sometimes when we have people and we'll call them get or done people that, that just get things done in this life is what I've noticed is that those people have a deep, deep fear and they're trying to medicate it with control. And so what happens is, is they're fearful of an outcome out of their control. And so they're trying to hold every piece of the puzzle that they can because of fear. And what it looks like on the outside is like, oh, everything's fine. I've got everything in control. Everything's great. I'm going to do this and this falls through. Then I'm going to do that. And then that falls through. I'm going to do this. And then I've got plan Z and then I can work through plan Z. And then I've got AA, BB, CC. And like I've got, I've got 52 plans that I can work through at every one of the alphabet. And what I've noticed is that sometimes control is rooted in a deep, deep fear, right? And then even sometimes with pride, like I've noticed that sometimes even in my own life or in other people's lives, if we have a pride, sometimes it's because we don't want people to see that we're scared. We don't want to see, we don't want people to see who we truly are. 
And so there's this like proud, puffed up chest moment where you're like, everything's fine, everything's okay, I don't need anyone, I don't need any help. And so sometimes when I look at pride, I'm like, man, I, I, think, I think that might be a deep fear that happens. Is everything okay? And so fear seems to be this universal experience. Like culturally, like I've just noticed a few online influencers and I won't name any, but like they almost shame you because you feel fear, right? Like, how dare you? I just cold plunged for four hours and then I ran a hundred miles and then I went to my job at 5 a.m. and then I'm gonna work until 12 p.m. and then I don't need sleep because who needs sleep? Only the weak need sleep. And so here's what I want you to do is I want you to punch fear in the face. Like if you could just punch it in the, and I'm like, does fear have a face? Like I'm, I'm like refreshing the feed and then it comes back or you got to kick fear to the curb. And what I've noticed in my own life is it makes me feel an even deeper shame and guilt that I have fear. And so I think the culture is trying to shame us and guilt us for feeling afraid. And what I've noticed is that when people say extreme things, it just makes me feel extremely afraid. I'm like, I, you did not fix me. I think you broke me more. I would like my time back and you can't give it to me. And even in the church, like I, I think the things have worked themselves in the faith spaces too, because it's like bootstrap mentality or catchy statements involving fear, or they tell us if you have fear, therefore you have no faith. And it's like, man, I, I, what's, what's, being, what's hard for me right now, if I'm just being honest, is that culture and church sound the same right now when it comes to fear. I'm like, I, I don't, like this is supposed to be a different message. This is supposed to be something that, that is different than the world. And I feel like it's the same. And one of the things that I've grown to, to know about myself, and I wonder if it's true for you, is I think a lot of us struggle with fear. And if we don't figure out how to process and fight back, it will, it, will, it will cause our identity with Jesus, which is something that should not falter, to be effective. And not only will it affect our identity, it'll affect our intimacy with Jesus. And then as it affects those things, it'll affect our purpose. Like I knew God had a purpose for me and I could not leave my house. Like, can you imagine how many things that you have done or not done because of fear? And can you imagine how many of those things are contrary to the purpose of God and the plans of God for your life? And I, what I know is that Jesus doesn't purchase us to live a small and fearful life. He purchased our life on the cross so that we would walk full of faith, that we would know how to process and fight back with the fear, that we would know how to walk and live this life in the full abundance that he has for us. And John 10, 10 says that we, he has come so we have abundant life. But I know there is an enemy of our soul who would want nothing more for us to be afraid. So there I was in the dark night. And I just, I, one of the scriptures that part, like, came to my mind and parked in my heart is I want to read today. And it's Luke 8, verses 22 through 25. And it'll be up here if you want to follow along. And when I, when I, I read this passage, I was like, fear feels like it has taken up permanent residence in my life, but it will not have a permanent place in my life. I was like, I was done. I was over it. So this is what happens. 
Here's what it says. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man? They asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. And so one thing that I notice about my relationship with God and storms is sometimes I get in these storms and it's God's idea that I'm there, right? Like, God, you told me to do this. And then I get there and it's like, there's a hurricane here. I don't want to be here anymore. And so immediately you see that one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's get in the boat. Like, we all know living in Charleston, a boat's a great idea sometimes. It's like, oh, let's get out on the boat. Who doesn't want to be out on the boat? But Jesus says, let's get in the boat. And then all of a sudden, the storm comes. And one of the things I love about Jesus is his spiritual gift of being able to take a nap. Like, I wish I had this gifting. Like, he's in the midst of a crazy storm. One of the translations says that he has a pillow. I'm like, who has a pillow on a boat? I want to be like Jesus. And so he has a pillow and he's in this storm and the disciples are freaking out. They're freaking out. And so when Jesus woke up, he he does such an incredible thing and he rebukes the wind and the waves and suddenly the storm stops. And so there's three things that help me here in the storms of my life and I'm wanting to give them to you this morning because I believe that I'm not the only one in the midst of a storm. I believe that I'm not the only one who occasionally operates out of fear. First, expect feelings of fear. Expect feelings of fear. And so one thing you need to know about this passage is that there is one carpenter and there's actually a few fishermen on the boat. Like these are some seafaring sailors. Like they are fishermen. They knew the sea. Like they, they had done this before. This wasn't their first rodeo of a storm. And so for whatever reason, this time they were on edge and they were like, we've got to figure this out. We've got to get out of here. Why do we even feel this way? And so a common lie that floats around in our hearts in the fear space or in the faith space, if that is fear is felt, there is no faith. Like this is the lie that fear is felt. There is no faith. If you are a believer, you should never feel fear. And one of the things I know this is so far from the truth. When you look at all of scripture, whenever God has an encounter with people, whenever angels have an encounter with people, what is the first thing that they say? Do not be afraid. Do you ever walk in the room and say the obvious when it's not needed? I don't think so. And so when you read scriptures, like they're not saying the obvious just to say it. Like it's not like that was the, hey, how are you doing? Or with the teenagers these days, like everything is bruh. Like, bruh. So it wasn't the bruh of the day. Like it was an actual thing. Like they would come into encounter. They would see that there would be fear. They, They would see that they were afraid and they wouldn't say, oh no, you're afraid. See you later. They would say, oh my gosh, that's okay. Hey, let's calm down. Do not be afraid. 
Yes, I am from heaven. Yes, I am bigger than anything you've ever experienced before. But we're not going to shame you for the feelings of fear. And we're not going to leave because you have fear. And one of the things I've noticed about fear is fear is actually a byproduct that you are following Jesus and living in the kingdom. Like it is actually a byproduct that you are living a life bigger than you were created to live naturally. Like you are living in a realm, in a kingdom that is scary and it requires a faith to combat the fear that is around us. Like what is so incredible about the faith space versus the cultural space or the world space is one of those spaces has an enemy and the other one doesn't. And so you're like, well, man, I'm on the gram and I see this person lives the traveling life and they do the thing. And so what I've noticed in my life and in other people's lives is the more or the less that I want to live a non-kingdom centered life, the better I can mitigate or medicate the fear out of my life. Like if I want to live a small life, if I want to do nothing for the king of kings, if I don't want to live out the faith that he's called me to live, it is possible to mitigate and medicate the fear. I can buy things. I can take things. I can shy away from things. I don't have to get up and speak in front of people every week. Like this is not normal. Like this is like you don't show up at your job and say, hey, open your Bibles. I'd I'd like to talk to you this morning. And they're like, can I just get my coffee? Like, is that, I just want a cappuccino. I didn't, I didn't want a sermon. And, and so like doing the things that God's called us to do and bleeding in the spaces, and living in the spaces, the one thing I know is that there's going to be an element of fear. Here's one thing you need to know about fear is that fear will always have the first word, but faith has the opportunity to have the last word. Like when you are living your life, like you are going to have a moment where fear has the first word. Like it's going to be the first thing that you feel the side of the fall. And so what we have to do is we have to live in such a way where we expect fear to happen so that we can acknowledge it and step into the faith that's been purchased for us in and through Jesus on the cross. And so fear is going to be the first thing that we feel but it doesn't have to be the last thing that we feel. And so when I read the scriptures, when I see this moment, like, like fear is a byproduct of living in this fallen world. Here's the other thing. If we didn't have fear, we wouldn't need Jesus and therefore we wouldn't have faith. And so one of the things that I see with fear is I'm like, man, this is an incredible opportunity to live in full dependence on Jesus. Like, because if I was good on my own, right, that I wouldn't need God, right? Like, if you didn't feel fear, you'd be fine. It's like, I, I'm good. I don't need God. Storms, eh. Waves, eh. But, but the disciples, like, they, they were like, Jesus, we need you. Like, well, we, we, you, you got to do something. So the question I have is, before I move on, is, is have you shamed or guilt-tripped yourself because you felt fear? One of the things that I'm learning in my own life is that how I see myself and how God sees me are two different things. Like when we, we sing reckless love, like that's like a glimmer of how God feels about you. And I'm still like tearing up. And I'm like, oh God, 
I can't cry right now. I got to do some things after this. And you know, tears are coming out, sniffling and ugly. You know, like God, God doesn't look at you and say, oh, you again? Afraid? Again? Panic? Anxiety? Worry? Why? Like, well, no, that's not. He's like, hey, you're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. I love you. You're afraid? That's a, man, my, my son had a moment where he was really struggling with some things in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was like, hey, if, if there's a way for this cup to pass, could it pass? And so Jesus is showing us that life on this planet isn't easy. And so when we are walking this life, we've got to expect fear to happen first. It's going to be the first thing that happens, but it doesn't have to be the last thing. Secondly, don't picture the worst. Don't picture the worst. So immediately the disciples are like pros in this. Like they always picture the worst. And I don't know if you're like this. Like you could be somewhere sitting in a restaurant and you're like, like I have a friend who's like this. And they're like, man, sometimes I'm in a restaurant and I'm like, what if that person passes out and then they come in and hold the place up and a robbery happens and then I have to go save that person and then kick the robber in the face and save everyone. And I'm like, bro, that's exhausting. Like, so how was the food? Like, do you remember that? Like, what, what happened at the restaurant? And one time, we're literally what happened was is somebody passed out in front of him and he was able to catch him. But it's like, that's exhausting to do those mental gymnastics every time. And so what I've noticed about my own life, and I wonder if this is true for you, is sometimes we are picturing the worst before anything happens. And what I've noticed about that in my own life is I am picturing an outcome apart from God. Yeah. I'm picturing the outcome that, well, if God doesn't move, like if God doesn't come through, if this doesn't happen, if that doesn't work, if this doesn't work, if they hate me, if that person doesn't like me, if this doesn't happen, and then financially speaking, that doesn't happen, and then that, this is always how it's going to be. And so the disciples, they were like, hey, Jesus, we're going to drown. There was no like... Hey, Jesus, could you wake up? It's kind of scary out here. And, you know, it's just we're getting wet and, you know, we don't have dryers. So, I don't, you know, those are coming later. And, you know, we don't we just don't want our clothes to get wet. And, you know, we just we, we thought this was going to be an incredible fishing day. Like, no, they jump to the worst. And like one of the things they say is they say, don't you even care? Like, have you ever felt those moments where you're in the storms and you're like, God, do you even care? It's like, well, hello, nice to meet you. My name's God. I gave my son. He died for you. Like, of course God cares. And I think sometimes we're in the midst of the storms and we're like, man, God doesn't care. God doesn't care. And what I've noticed is that the enemy wants to hijack those moments as much as he can to convince us that God doesn't care. Hey, you need to expect the worst because God's not going to show up. Like, don't, don't hope for the best. Why would you ever do that? Hope disappoints, right? That's the enemy. The enemy's speaking there. And I think sometimes that we, we, there is a real danger that is happening in this life. But I think, and I wonder, like if God hasn't given us the imagination to say, hey, what would it look like if I came through? Like what, what would it look like if I showed up? Like, what would it look like if my supernatural power broke through in an incredible way? Like, it's so amazing how God has given us incredible imaginations 
And then on one hand, it's like we imagine the worst and it's just crazy. One of my favorite movies is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Have you ever seen that? Like he just is like replaying the best all the time. Like he comes in and saves the world and they're like, Walter, you awake? And I think sometimes we do the opposite. We re- we're, we're playing the worst at every moment. Like I'm, I'm gonna show up at my job tomorrow. So-and-so is gonna hate me. This is gonna happen, that's gonna happen. And then I'm gonna have to find another job and I don't wanna find another job. And then they're not gonna pay me enough. And then my house is gonna foreclose. And then before you know it, you're living on the streets and you have no family anymore or nobody loves you. And then you're like hitchhiking to go to like Myrtle Beach or something. Cause that sounds really horrible in my mind. I don't know, I've not been to Myrtle Beach. Sounds like most of you have. So we serve a God who is graciously giving us all things in and through Jesus Christ. And so if we serve that God, then we can't imagine a life apart from that God. We can't do it. So when the storms come in your life, do you immediately picture the worst? That God isn't near and that he doesn't care. And then lastly, speak to the storm. And so in this moment, Jesus is, one of the things that is happening in this moment is Jesus is living a life where he is displaying his power and authority. And so before this moment, the disciples are going to see some incredible miracles. They're going to see some incredible authority. They're going to see some incredible power. And so Jesus is displaying all of this so that he can build up their life of faith. He's like, hey, you're going to have fear. Things are going to look scary, but I'm repeating with you in this moment a faith in what happens when God moves. And so Jesus, in this moment, he is awoken and he speaks to the storm. And so probably what would have happened in their mind is they're connecting the dots. Like, who is this man that can calm the wind and the waves? And so immediately they're like, hey, it's probably the same one who created the wind and the waves. Right? Like it's the same one who probably created it is the one that's able to speak to it and it calms down. And so Jesus is displaying his power and his authority and what's possible if Jesus steps into the mix. And so he's like, hey, if there's a storm here, I want to step in and I want to figure out what it looks like to find peace in the midst of the storm. And sometimes you see it and the storm stops. And then sometimes you find the peace in the midst of the storm, right? It's almost like you're in the hurricane and you're in the eye and you're good because there's a storm around you, but there's a peace in you because Christ is in you and Christ is in the mix and Christ wants to display his power and his authority. And so that's what's happening in this moment. But I think there's something greater that is happening in this moment. And so just going back to that moment, where I had the blanket over my shoulders and I'm, we'll call it a prayer shawl. That probably is better, sounds better. Is I'm pacing around the house and I'm just like, God, like you, like one word and this stops. Like one word and the fear goes away. Like one word, bad fear turns into reverent fear and I'm like, oh, there is a God. Like, like one word, and then I, I got the word. It wasn't the word I was looking for, I'm gonna be honest with you. Because I was, I was just, I was done. And all of a sudden, 
I felt God say, hey, you speak to the storm. You speak to the storm. And so the other thing that's happening in this moment is that not only is Jesus displaying his power, he's displaying what life looks like when we walk in his power. And so one of the things that the storm wants to do and that the fear wants to do is it wants to convince you that you are absolutely powerless and that you are in a boat that is sinking and you're going to go down with it. What God was showing me, and I think he wants to show us, is that there is a power in you, there is authority in you, there is a faith in you that you have the opportunity to speak to the storms. Like Jesus is not just doing it, he's modeling what a life looks like living on this planet. And so he's saying, hey, there are going to be times when you're afraid. There's going to be times when you're fearful. There's going to be times when the water is coming over the boat, but here's what you get to do. Here's what you have the power to do. You have the power to speak to those storms. And so you're going to get in your Bible. You're going to get in your scripture. You're going to get the word of God in your heart. And you're going to be like, hey, this is not the final moment of my life. This is not the final moment. Like fear does not have finality over my life. Fear has the first word, but it doesn't have the final word. And so my life is a life of faith. My life is a life of hope. And so I'm in the storm. I feel incredibly fearful, but I'm not going out like this. You have equipped me. You have ordained me. You have anointed me to preach to the storms, to profess to the storms that you are not the Lord of my life that you don't have control over my life, that there's nothing wrong with my identity in my life. I don't have storms because God doesn't like me. I don't have storms because I'm not close to God. I actually have storms because God is in me and I have a firm identity and there is intimacy with me and the enemy wants to ruin that and I have purpose over my life. And so I'm gonna have the storms in my life. I'm gonna feel the fear in my life, but I don't have to walk in the fear in my life. This is the life that God has purchased for you. Fear does not have power over your life. It might be a feeling in your life, but it is not Lord of your life. His name is Jesus. He speaks to the storms, and then he looks at you, his anointed, his sons, his daughters, and he says, hey, that same power that raised me from the dead is living in you. And so you get out there and you speak to the storms. So when you show up at work tomorrow or parenting tomorrow or in relationships tomorrow, and you're like, man, the, the waves are crashing in. Where, where is that money coming from? I, I don't know. Like the bills are the storm. Like that's the storm is the bills. And they keep coming. And I've tried to cancel the mail and they won't listen to me. They keep coming. And so you can look at that and you say, man, I'm a victim to that. Just going to float on down until I drown. And the pile of bills or the worries or the stress or the anxiety or the fear, or you can say, you know what? That's not the life he's purchased for me. That's not it. I have 
God-breathed, God-ordained, anointed power, and I am going to speak to the storms. Do you believe that? Fear is going to be one of the first things that we feel, but it is not going to be the last thing that we feel. Let me pray for us. Father, I just pray that this would be a moment of deliverance. Father, I just, I just, God, I pray, like, where else are we going to go to receive the healing that we need from fear? Like, where else are we going to go to receive the tools that we need to fight fear? And so, Father, I just pray in this moment, in this space, God, that your power and your presence would be made known, that you would just give us the language that we need to speak to the storms in our life. Father, we're not a victim to those things. God, you've given us power. You've given us authority. And God, we're not going to shame ourselves anymore. We're not going to guilt ourselves anymore. When we feel fear, Father, faith is our destiny. Faith is our daily walk. And I know you want to get us there. Father, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.